0: Well, good morning, Rick. Good to be with you again on this uh, week following Memorial Day. We thought for a moment that maybe we would be taking a break for the summer, but we're not. We're back. We've got another episode today, and uh, we're going to keep on going.
1: Yeah, we're decided to let's just keep running all through the summer, and uh, a number of us are going to be on vacation at different times, and so... uh, Give
0: us the opportunity to get some more people on. Yeah, that's right. You know, one of the things that's just been so encouraging, so exciting, is to hear how many people are valuing this Podcast as the opportunity to continue to think a little bit more deeply about the message each week, and uh, and also to have some the opportunity to ask some questions. The things you and I really enjoy love is when that. people I, send in questions. I love that. And so people
1: have been energetically coming up to me, and I think to you as mm-hmm. well, uh, talking about it. So we just want to keep it going as long as it's uh, helpful and helpful to folks. I'm I'm invested. I'm all in.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's wonderful. And and we have been getting a number of questions lately. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a, a little uh, blurb in the weekly update, uh, letting people know how they could send in some questions. And, mm-hmm. and it's never too late to do that. People can always email us a question at podcast at autumnridge.church. Uh, but we got a number of them from that, uh, that uh, notice in the weekly update. And so I thought, let's start with some of these questions that weren't necessarily tied to a particular message. Let's
1: dive in, yeah. And then
0: we can go from there. Um, one of the first questions that came in was someone who's been wrestling through a classic debate mm-hmm. in New Testament studies yeah. in the Bible, and that is the way that Paul approaches the gospel really focused in on grace. That's right. And then what can at times feel like a little bit of a contradiction mm-hmm. with James, where James writes from a perspective that's a little bit more oriented towards our, how we're we're living, and uh, and especially the negative effect of sin and what that can mean in the, the believer's life. And he's the person sending in this question, is admitting this is a question that bajillions of people have had Absolutely. over the years. Um, but what is the consequence of someone who is continually choosing to sin? Because Paul is saying repentance leads to grace without end, and that the love shown and in that infinite grace will bring us to permanent repentance. But then it seems like James is saying that deliberately choosing to sin means that you never knew Jesus. Hmm. So can you just help wrestle through? Yeah, this? I'll do.
1: I'll do my best with that. It's a it's a keen question. It's a it's an it's a thoughtful, uh, insightful question. Uh, I I'm immediately go back to Martin Luther, who uh, famous theologian helped kickstart. Uh, the the Reformation and he wrestled with the Book of James and how to fit it in with all mm. the because he was he was obviously a big fan of Paul it was reading Romans that led him out of a life of works only to a life of faith that the the righteous are justified by faith and he struggled with. What what, what do I do with James? And so he kind of pushed it to the back, and I think he even called it a kind of a right book. He just wasn't sure. Like, if if Martin Luther was gonna leave a a, a Yelp review for the book of James, (laughs) it would have been one star, right? And a lot of people have wrestled with that. Um, If you'll allow me just to kind of quickly bring Paul and James together, they knew each other. Uh They knew each other. They talked about the gospel together. They met in Jerusalem about this, and they were all united. And so if we sense that that there's tension between Paul and James, that's in us, it's not in them. Mm, they would have mm-hmm. said just kind of keep keep leaning in you're not you're not understanding us yet. I think Paul is really helping us see that works without faith is dead mm-hmm. and James is helping us see that faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, no two sides of one coin. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. there is no such thing as faith that is fruitless or doesn't uh, produce Christ-likeness in your life. And that's not generated by you. You trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is working in us, producing fruit. Uh, we follow his lead, we participate uh, with him in that. It's a, probably the best word is it's a synergism. It's 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 100% me, it's 100% him. Um, uh, I can't grow on my own. God won't grow me on his own. It is, it's is—it's united in partnership. And so uh, they're both talking about the same thing, coming at it from different angles. And when we pause long enough to understand that, I think that's helpful. Christians will continue to sin. I think this is where John is incredibly helpful, First John uh, chapter 2. Uh, we as we we sin we have an advocate Jesus Christ the righteous mm-hmm. incredibly powerful it's not that we're never going to sin but a clear-eyed honest reading of the new testament should cause us to pause and seriously consider if i am continuing an unrepentant sin
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i'm cavalier about it i need to ask myself am i really a follower of jesus mm-hmm.
0: Um, so the, the New Testament pushes us to that. Um, and even a, Paul would say that, too. Absolutely. Paul said in Romans 6, are we to continue in sin that grace might, may abound? By no means is his absolutely. response to that. So,
1: absolutely. Yeah,
0: he would agree with with James mm-hmm. on that point too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't think either one of them would say, I don't think either one of them would say, Well, if you're a legitimate follower of Jesus, you're never going to sin again. But I think they both would say, if you are engaged in ongoing unrepentant sin, you're not experiencing any conviction from the Holy Spirit and you're just totally comfortable with it, you need to ask yourself, Am I really a follower of Jesus? Mm-hmm. This is where I've, you know, I um <clears throat> it's no secret that I've been a, a huge fan of Tim Keller for mm-hmm. for a number of years and like many, still kind of in a, in a bit of mourning over his passing. But he was really, really helpful, I think, to to many believers who found themselves struggling with this very same thing and and he said, if you are experiencing, the um, difficulty and you're wrestling, and you like you know you're sinning, but you're you're str- and and you're struggling, and you feel guilty about it, and you're trying to break free, and you're you kind of you know kind of moving forward, moving back. He's like that's a sign of the Holy Spirit at work in you. That is proof that you are a child of God. So mm-hmm. take comfort in that, but continue to continue to wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. Is that have I yeah, did that's... I make that too murky, or is that clear enough?
0: Well, it sounds clear to me, okay. but uh, but again, if if that's murky for someone, uh, please uh, let us know. Podcast at autumnbridge yeah. Church, if you yeah. would like a follow up to that. We had a couple of questions that came in after some of the messages from the He Gets Us series. Yeah, I um, love that series. That was a fun series. Love
1: that series. Yeah,
0: it was fun to to explore Jesus mm-hmm. through it and mm-hmm. and to see the many, many ways that we can relate to him and because he relates to us.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. Uh, so was what do we got? Good.
0: So one of them was, uh, was directed at me back in the the message that I gave on compassion. Just one? <laughs> oh, come on, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um i had made a comment in the the message on compassion that jesus never uh, saw someone and looked at his watch like oh sorry too busy i've got to go run off to my next meeting and things like that but yet yeah. when he felt compassion yeah. he followed through yeah. on that feeling and he mm. he took action mm-hmm. in uh in what he was feeling for people mm-hmm. and uh and you've got to get that glint out of your eye you've got a snarky face right now <laughs> i'm just waiting to, to see
1: to, to see what what you're going to say. I'm also imagining I the people who love you, and there are many, are going to write in and tell me not to pick on you.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm feeling the love this morning. <laughs> Uh, but this person was looking for a little bit of clarification on that because he rightly points out that there were throngs of people who were waiting to see Jesus. And Jesus did not stop and heal every person who was in his vicinity. Uh, but, and not only that, he often would leave the crowds of people to go off to be alone, to pray, and to spend time with his father. And so it was a, a, a helpful clarification here uh, to look at this concept. And I do want to emphasize this This person's absolutely right. Jesus did not have compassion on every person that he saw. He didn't heal everyone in his midst. Uh, and yet the point I was trying to make was that when he felt it, when he felt, I need to do something for this person, he acted in that moment. He didn't just put it off. Um, but I think it's helpful to, to see that about Jesus too, that Jesus didn't heal everyone. He didn't fix everything. No, he didn't. He was, I don't want to say sporadic in what he did, but he was kind of, he representatively healed people. I think
1: he was intentional, but I could totally understand why some people would perceive that as being sporadic. Mm-hmm. Um, At one of Jesus, uh, there was a time that Jesus was um, speaking to his home crowd, and he he preached out of Isaiah. But then he started talking about basically that he chooses places where he goes to heal, and they were so angry mm-hmm. that they tried to kill him. Mm-hmm. I think they tried to throw him off a cliff, and mm-hmm. somehow he got out, <laughs> whether it was supernaturally aided um, or he was just super savvy. Um, but yeah, he, Jesus was limited, couldn't be everywhere, um, was intentional, not sporadic, and um, but yeah, he could not he couldn't heal everyone. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't compassionate, patient and totally engaged whenever someone was in front of him.
0: Yeah, I think I like the word intentional. He mm-hmm. was intentional about his actions and what he did. Yes. And ultimately his mission was to point all of us to the ultimate healing through his father. Absolutely. Rather than yes, just what was available to the people who were right in front of him. Yes. And that's a much much more powerful message. You
1: know, I was reading this morning, um, just my personal devotion time, in Acts chapter eight, and Paul is shipwrecked on his way to to Rome, and while he's while he's there, uh, he's building a fire on the beach. He gets bit by a snake and flicks it off, and everybody's waiting for him to like swell up and die, and he doesn't. Um, and they wrongly conclude, well, he must be a god. And then over time, as he's continuing to preach the gospel, he's got a few months there. Uh, I think it was three months there on this island, and people start coming to faith, and he goes to. Basically, the governors of the islands home, and he's preaching the gospel there, and he just heals a bunch of people, and mm-hmm. then he leaves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's it's so cool that that not only Jesus but the the apostles had the ability to perform like signs and wonders on demand and, and heal people, but they didn't heal everyone. It was always to really, I think of it like venture capital for a startup business. Hmm. It was to help people see the power and the authority of Mm -hmm. God's Word. and Validation of it. And once Mm -hmm. people latched on and they heard the gospel and they experienced the power of the gospel message, you see the miraculous stuff decrease as the gospel proclamation increases. Mm -hmm. It's really to get that message going.
0: Well, I'm also grateful that that's what we have as our example cuz can you imagine if Jesus did heal everyone who came to him how that, that that would be an unrealistic thing for us to ever think we could emulate or same thing for mm-hmm. the apostles if they just Absolutely, went around yeah. and and mm-hmm. were doing miracles all over the place mm-hmm. we'd think well we can't we can't even approach that yeah and it would be very defeatist you know uh, and our thinking. hope
1: the hope of the new testament is our hope we have hope in this life right but our but it's not hope for this life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's hope for the life to come. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward for the life to come and that gives us hope now, but it's not about this life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so if we overemphasize, if we overemphasize the miraculous and the healing and and all of those things, it can serve an unintended Um, negative purpose of making us too comfortable with what we're not supposed to be comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? We're not supposed to be tethered to this life. Our hope is in the life to come.
0: I like that concept. Um, The next... Question that came in was another question seeking some clarification on a comment made in the He Gets Us series mm. about Jesus, and it was from the verse in John that talks about Jesus coming and making His dwelling among yeah. us. And mm-hmm. and you pointed out that in the Greek word, that that word actually has the literal meaning that He tabernacled among us, or He yeah. pitched His tent yeah. among us, yeah. and, and tent not being like He camped with us, but yeah. that it's that same. Harkening idea back of the to tabernacle. the to the
1: Exodus period, there's yeah. This elaborate tent of worship and meeting, and that's mm-hmm. where God's presence physically descended and was um, exemplified in a pillar of, uh, like, smoky cloud or fire uh, at night, cloud during the day.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the beauty of that and that's mm-hmm. what the text is getting at and what you were bringing out of it yeah. for us is just the incredible idea that God came and mm-hmm. he lived in Jesus mm-hmm. among us mm-hmm. that that he was actually here with us physically not just this presence um, but the the point of the tabernacle I think maybe felt a little bit murky in mm-hmm. that to some people cuz mm-hmm. the tabernacle if if you're familiar with that god's presence was in specifically in the holy of holies in this kind of set apart room where only certain people had access to it yeah. and uh, and so it maybe felt like that was a little bit of a contradiction can can you bring some clarity to that nope <laughs> You are feeling <laughs> snarky this morning. Aren't I can't. <laughs> so there, there's there's
1: there's a variety of things that may or may not be at play in this and so I'm just gonna ramble a bit. okay. Is that allowed? It, always. Okay. if this is a person who's asking this from Minnesota, they've probably not lived in a place where there are temples. Uh, if it, you have to you you have to travel to go to a place where the landscape is dominated by temples. I lived four seven years of my life. Uh, in a state that's dominated oh, by sure. by temples uh-huh. and, and, in Utah, and, and Utah, mm-hmm. and they are they're typically whenever they can be, they're in elevated areas. And when you're driving around it, I don't want to say I don't want to use the word ominous. That's the that's the wrong word. But you just you you can see it all the time, mm-hmm. and um and it's it's significant. It's it's the the visual reminder of of that that religious expression. It is it is significant and it's always before you. So in some ways, um, it's the exact opposite of being aloof and removed. It feels like it's always just ever present, and at the same time, you know that it's exclusive. Only certain people are eligible enough to get inside. Uh, it's the same thing when I when I went to India. Um, but when I first went uh, to to India. Um, Really, kind of getting away from the U.S. or Europe, um, in a place. First time I was in a, it was in a place where it was just, I mean, markedly different culturally. I felt at home. I felt super comfortable in a place that was dominated by temples. It felt like where I it felt like where I lived, and hmm. it was that same kind of thing. It's 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 ever present, and yet it's exclusive. It's exclusive at the same time. I would imagine that in in. The period of the Exodus, when this tabernacle, this elaborate tent, was set up, and you have God's God physically demonstrating that He's there. It's not just a it's not just a tent. He's physically He's physically uh, manifesting His presence in a way that everyone could see. That the Israelites would have said, "This is so incredibly comforting. God doesn't feel distant and aloof. He's right here with us," mm-hmm. and yet and yet it was also a bit exclusive, that really only Moses is going in there and having intimate access. So it's a bit of both. It's a bit of both at the same time. If you think about the the, um, the temple um, in Jerusalem, it would have been ever-present and reminding, it's there, God is close, and yet it's exclusive at the same time. And so you experience that God is immediate, close, and transcendent simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus did he made that far more personal than we could have ever imagined on our own. When he's tabernacling with us, he was there with people, among people, letting people touch him. He touched people, he ate with people, he partied with people, he he talked to people. He was there. Mm -hmm. He he was there. And so it was, this man is otherworldly and defines explanation, but he is here immediately, intimately, personal Mm -hmm. with us. It's so, it's the the incarnation of Jesus, the life and the presence and the ministry of Jesus. It really just kind of blows up and shatters the the categories that we might have. Sure. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think even the tabernacle has a, a even more uh, flexible presence than the temple imagery would Mm -hmm. too because the tabernacle was something that they moved with them. Whenever the people moved, they brought the tabernacle with them. Um, So wherever they went, it was there rather than just a temple up on the hill.
1: When Caleb was talking about his message and preparation and even when he he gave it to the staff on Thursday I don't know I think everybody has heard us talk about this before whoever speaks on the weekend mm-hmm. they give the message to the staff typically on Thursday and we process it together and then it's finally delivered on Saturday and Sundays but when he did that he included something that I don't think he included in the weekend services he imagined what well, do you think people sat around um uh, you know when the sun was setting when it was going from afternoon to dusk to evening and and God's presence changed from uh, a pillar of smoke to a pillar of fire. Do you think they just sat there and watched <laughs> for the watch for the transition to happen? And I just thought I never thought about it before. That would be so cool. Yeah, I bet people did that.
0: <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, but the the main point that mm-hmm. you were bringing out by that and what the text was getting at was that Jesus was physically here with us. Mm-hmm. He was living life with us. He was mm-hmm. he was part of the community. He wasn't just a a, a transcendent force somewhere but he was here as human as god with us.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when he we call it the lord's prayer I think we ought to call it the disciple's prayer because he gave it to us as a model for how disciples should pray. Our father who art in heaven or we might say heavenly heavenly father. Immediately immediately personal and transcendent at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's these two things brought to brought brought together. Father personal personal term heavenly transcendent powerful term brought together and that's what Jesus is constantly trying to um, demonstrate to us that's beautiful. how we should relate to him
0: yeah, yeah. beautiful. Well, one of the best things we can do when we discover this wonderful Jesus is mm-hmm. to tell others about Him. And yeah, so, the last question absolutely. that I wanted to, to highlight today is actually something that, even though the question came in a couple of weeks ago, it totally springboards into the message from this past weekend. Um, this person writes that uh, that she wants to share her faith, but too often, she says she feels like well, she's afraid that people are thinking, "Well, there she goes again, talking about her faith in Jesus." Mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions for how we can share the good news with others, especially those who are skeptics? of religion and churches beyond just modeling it in our life. Sure. And that kind of was mm-hmm. the main point of this past weekend's message about mm-hmm. how we can uh, winsomely share the gospel with others. And I think uh, for the sake of time, I'd love to just kind of hone in on mm-hmm. the six practical steps that you gave us towards the end of the message and, and feel free to weave some other things okay. in as you go. Uh, but the the first step that you had in there in in how we can go about sharing our faith well is simply to know the gospel. So can you define... Knowing the gospel is one of those things where it seems like it should be really easy, and yet it can be difficult to define the gospel. Can you give us uh, maybe your elevator speech about how you would know and define the gospel?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And whenever I do this, or whenever anybody attempts to do this, there's always gonna be a yeah, but... But uh, uh, that's okay. That, 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 that's totally okay. We've got 66 books in, in, the, in the Bible, um, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. They all come together to display and declare the good news of God. So me boiling it down to something that might fit into Twitter will feel like something was squeezed out. Totally understandable, so give me a little little grace of that. The God who is good and loving, um, created. And because he created, um, he is the one who is, he is the is the source, and he is the authority. Um, and because because of that, we are made in his image and intended to reflect him and to be connected with him. So God created, by right of him being the creator, he is the authority. Things went wrong when humanity rebelled, and we 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 fell out of that uh, relationship. I. People, you people, describe it as the fall. Um, I heard someone else say this, and I think it's, I think it's probably a better word. It's the unraveling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It is the unraveling of the good that God, that God intended, and all of the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament is going from God created. Um, it all unraveled because of human sin, and God is bringing it back together, and it's ultimately going to be brought back because of what Jesus does. So God created, uh, man rebels, God responds um, with, with redemption. And so we get to now respond to that in faith. Mm-hmm. And that's the gospel. Another way to, 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 um, to summarize the gospel is simply, um, Jesus died for our sin, to pay the penalty for our sin. He rose from the dead. And whoever trusts in Him can have can have new life, um, but it is this it is this grand, incredible, true story of God making Himself known to people whom He loves mm-hmm. and rescuing us from sin for all those who would trust in Him through Christ. So that's the that's the gospel, so that's and all of, a... of the gospel is good news. Yeah, it's not just the entry point into how can I have a relationship with Jesus. It's the whole Christian life. It's the whole loving God and loving other people. All the law and the prophets are summarized in that. Yeah,
0: that's a those are good mm-hmm. nuts and bolts descriptions yep. of the gospel. Um, but I I expect that when you were making that your first point of mm-hmm. know the gospel, that you were also including in that know the implications of the gospel. Yes, uh, you started off the message. Uh, pointing to a favorite war movie of yours, Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. and and drew our attention to the implications of this powerful yep. statement mm-hmm. given to to Ryan mm-hmm. um, when all of the sacrifice was made in order for him to be saved, that mm-hmm. that the comment that was given to him was, earn this, yeah. and how that just weighed yeah. on him mm-hmm. and, and affected him in such a powerfully mm-hmm. burdensome way. And yet, and that is so the opposite of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? So that the implications of the gospel are we have been saved, mm-hmm. and yet we can never live as if we have to earn it. So, can you talk a little bit yeah. about the implications it, of the gospel? It, it, so,
1: by the way, that is the exact same message of religion: earn this, mm. and it's the same. It's the same thing that that Satan wants to whisper into our conscience. So, when it comes to sharing the gospel. I think too many believers think the doorway into that is sharing all the content of the gospel. Like I tried to briefly summarize, and there's a variety of different ways to do that. I don't think that's the entry point of people's lives, Mm -hmm. is to share the gospel. Well, Svea, did you know that God created and then... (laughs) Man, rebelled and that's not that's not how we do it. We're it's the implication points. Mm-hmm. That's the front door. That's how that's how we talk to people. And so when someone is struggling with something and you know how the good news of Jesus brings good news to them in that situation if they would trust in him, that's your entry point. That's where that's where you talk about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, and I know that sounds a little broad and abstract. We can we can talk about some specifics.
0: Well you, you brought back a phrase mm-hmm. that I've heard you use a few times and I really, really like this. That okay. idea that it's not my job to convince you. Yeah. It's just my job to share with you what convinced me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a helpful framework for sharing the gospel with someone. That mm-hmm. it, it might not be a nuts and bolts kind of discussion, although those things are important. Those are the, the mm-hmm. foundations yeah. of of what we're what we're discussing. But the 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 idea here is that we're just sharing with people mm-hmm. what it is that we have found in Jesus Christ. That's right. And the the powerful work that He's done in our own lives that we're relaying that to other people.
1: I think sometimes, sometimes we can unintentionally reduce the gospel to rules. And clearly, there are commands. There absolutely are commands that we're we're responsible for, um, and that, that that we should obey. But those those are expression. Those are an expression of love. Um, back to Jesus. But God has designed his world to work in a certain way. And he wants people to thrive, he wants human flourishing. All the ways, all the ways, all the ways in which we see that people are not flourishing, those are way, those are entry points that we could talk about why God's way is such good, is such good news. Mm-hmm. I've lost my train of thought.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: I'm gonna take a sip of coffee, you asked me a question. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, no, we're we're still yeah. on this idea of the implications of the gospel mm-hmm. and what it is that we're sharing and that it's not necessarily okay. that we're needing to share the nuts and the bolts as the entry point to that discussion, but That's that right. we're relaying.
1: We want people to hunger and thirst for the truth, goodness, and beauty of Jesus. And so, anytime that I can engage that way, I want to do that. I remember one time sitting in the driveway talking to, uh, talking to some neighbors who we had started to develop a, a pretty decent friendship with. Our kids uh, had had become friends. We had similar um, stories of hurt in our lives, mm-hmm. right? And so they were responding um, to that to that hurt in one way. Heather and I were trying to respond to that hurt in a in a in a, in a different way. Um, Frankly, they were just bitter. They were bitter and unforgiving, mm-hmm. and and I just said instead of instead of saying, "Well, I'm a Christian and the Bible tells me that I should forgive," which is true, there's nothing wrong with that. That is absolutely true. I just said, you know, um, I've become convinced of something that freedom is found in forgiving others, and uh, somebody once somebody once said that to me. And uh, I've discovered the power and the beauty of that, and that's how I want to live.
2: Mm.
1: And they asked me questions. Where did that come from? Tell, okay, tell me, tell me more about that. And then from there, I got to talk about. Mm-hmm. I got to talk about. But if I lead with the Bible says or Jesus said, th- this particular couple would have been on the defensive. They're not hearing me, mm-hmm. and I'm always thinking, well, what is it that. What is it that's going to allow them to hear me? We do this all the time in our relationships, right? If there's somebody that we want to talk to about something and we know that, okay, they're not in the right mood or the frame of mind to hear it, we just kind of naturally know through our relational skills uh, that we've learned over the years mm-hmm. how to how to do that at the right time in the right way and to woo people into, into, into conversation mm-hmm. um, and to meet them where they're at. And so we're going to do the same thing with our faith. And so... I love, I love, and I want to. I want to celebrate all the people who say, "I want to share my faith." Great. Well, let's Let's keep it going. Um, who do you want to share it with? Why do you want to share it with them? You know, it, we're not just. This is where I was going before. I remember where I was trying okay. to go. Can I connect the dots now? Sure. All right. So, it can be. It can be where it's like where we think this is how we can share the gospel the wrong way. You're doing bad things. This is the right thing. Let me tell you what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so nobody, no, nobody's attracted. Nobody's attracted. The Holy Spirit might use that, (laughs) (laughs) but nobody is naturally nobody, nobody is naturally attracted to that. Jesus met people where they were hurting Mm -hmm. and in need and solved that problem and Mm -hmm. responded with Mm -hmm. truth and with grace. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for areas where people are carrying baggage and hurting and needing help. And I want to respond with truth and grace. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Truth and grace as well.
0: That's often how yeah. I've shared my faith is yeah. by talking with someone, and 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 I I try to just drop some mm-hmm. easy comments like if we're yeah. talking about something that we're struggling with, or mm-hmm. even just being overwhelmed or feeling stressed, mm-hmm. or or recounting a, a hard chapter of life, mm-hmm. just to say something like, you know, I don't know how I would have gotten through that if I hadn't had my faith, yeah, or you know, I I feel like I've got. The strength for this, not because it's strength that I've got in myself, but because I have, I sure. feel like God yeah. is giving me the strength to get mm-hmm. through this right now. Yeah. And and those kinds of comments often are what open doors to to bigger conversations.
1: Your story is powerful. Mm-hmm. It's the Bible is more story than anything else. Mm-hmm. We're drawn to stories. We remember stories. Stories are stories are incredibly powerful. People might argue with what they with what you believe. They can't argue with your story. Mm-hmm. You know, Svea, your story is you—you've shared before about just deep grief and hurt that you have, that 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 you've gone through. What people cannot argue with is that you experienced that and that you found peace and comfort in that. Mm-hmm. And they may not want to believe in Jesus, but they cannot argue with that you discovered that. Mm-hmm. And they've got to—they've got to reconcile or reckon with. What are they going to do? what are they going to do with that information and my experience has been when you talk to two people about real life stuff and you're vulnerable and you're honest and you're you're engaging them in healthy ways the majority of times people are going to ask questions and want to know more not every time we see that with Paul some people laughed him off but a lot of people were curious and wanted to know more and some of those people became followers of followers of Jesus
0: yeah so now we've disproportionately talked about the first step and these mm-hmm. six points that you gave us at the yep. end of the message about knowing the gospel, uh, but I do want to run through the rest of them uh, quite a bit quicker than okay. we just did with this one. But the, the second step that you gave us was to use our freedom in Christ to maximize our ability to love all. Yep. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And I realize that was built on the what mm-hmm. we saw in Paul's life and the way that he engaged culture, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but what does it mean to use our freedom in Christ? Christ, to maximize the way that we can love other people.
1: Yeah, I used to think that maturity was found in how you handled your responsibility. At some point in my life, it clicked where I thought, you know, the real test of maturity is how you handle your freedom. Mm. There are all things that were there. There are all kinds of things that we're free to do in Christ. We're free to experience in Christ, where we can engage in without guilt, without sin, without shame, and yet participating in that, or doing that, or pursuing that might have a negative impact on someone else. And so if I'm going to elevate the needs of someone else above myself, as I'm taught in the gospel, then I'm going to say no to me so that I can say yes to what that person needs. Mm-hmm. And so how you apply that, we can come up with a million different examples, but it's just a disposition. What you need is more important than what I want. And just because I'm free, and just because I have a right to do it, and just because I can, doesn't mean that I will, because what is what you need and what serves your best interest is far more important to me than what I want. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm describing a disposition that I want to have, that I don't <laughs> I don't live up to uh, perfectly by any means, but that's the kind of disposition that we're led to um, by understanding of the gospel. That's the kind of disposition I want, I aspire to.
0: Let me ask you a question about this, because there was something I was reading just yesterday that was talking about how sometimes in Christian culture, we've had this God first, others second, yourself third. And... While there's truth in that framework and and what you're just talking about right now about the disposition of of putting the needs of someone ahead of yourself is -hmm. is a a biblical principle, Mm -hmm. um, that there also can then be an unintended damaging consequence of... Of demeaning self-care or self-worth and things, oh, but sure. it's, it's yeah. tricky. Yeah. Yeah. In that, can you distinguish a little bit about um, a, a biblical way of putting the needs of other people ahead of your own, in a way that doesn't necessarily imply that uh, that you're also not worthy of of care of oh, value?
1: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The example that that Paul gave with the the topic that he was engaging meat sacrifice. Uh, to to idols paul wasn't saying well he's not going to eat ever again mm-hmm. but if using his freedom to eat food sacrificed to idols if that caused uh if that was causing a weaker less mature believer to stumble then he's he's going to make significant changes to how he engages because he cares about that person's trajectory of growth and maturity and he, does, he doesn't wanna, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to Disrupt them. So it's not that Paul's not going to care for himself. It's not that he's going to. It's not that he's not going to eat. It's not that he's going to go on some sort of hunger strike. But he's going to encha- But he's going to make adjustments out to to care for that person. So yeah, help me make I, I, it a little bit more practical.
0: Yeah, I think it's less about that and yeah. more the idea that <clears throat> are we are, are we unintending or are, are we risking the idea mm-hmm. that that uh, we're treating ourselves like a doormat. To be walked all over by someone else's needs and ignoring our own needs. If we're always putting other people's needs ahead of our own, is there a yeah. a chance of becoming a little bit too? This is uh, where I'm
1: going to make you annoyed with me, okay? Because you, I think you kind of, I think you, it bothers you when I say this. Wisdom is hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wisdom is hard, um, and there's not a rule. You can't uh-huh. come up with a rule for this. You no, know, you're not going to be a doormat. You're not gonna. You're not gonna sign up for abuse. You're not gonna. You're not gonna do any. You're not gonna do any of those things. You're gonna make sure that your that 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 your needs are are met too. You got you got to do that. Um. So you've got to. It's it's kind of wrestling with what does this person need, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna elevate my freedom above that person's need. That's so- what we're going for. And yet, at times, there will be there will be moments where we intentionally. Volunteer for abuse to serve the well-being of somebody else, and we see that in Paul as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I think looking to the life of Jesus is so helpful mm-hmm. in this regard because he was constantly putting other people's needs ahead mm-hmm. of him, uh, ahead of uh, mm-hmm. uh, of what he was doing in that moment, and yet um, he was also definitely taking the time that he needed to be with God, to pray, to get alone, to do the things that were healthy for him as well. And and the way that we see him acting with such gentleness. I love, I think it was you that had said this a few mm-hmm. months ago about Jesus's gentleness is incredible strength under control. It wasn't a weakness or yeah. or that he was... Um, fluffy or soft in some yeah. way, but that he was using his strength in a way mm-hmm. that uh, that was very self-controlled.
1: Yeah. So somebody could mishear this, what we're talking about right now. And they could say, well, I need to stay in an abusive relationship, or I need to stay in an abusive church, or I need to stay in an abusive situation. Um, that is not at all what we're talking about. And I can understand why if someone is not just in a difficult place where they might be mishearing it. We're not talking about anything like that. But there will be times that we sign up for mistreatment from people so that we can demonstrate Jesus to them. Mm-hmm. right. but don't don't apply it to a toxic church situation, an abusive friendship or an abusive relationship. don't just don't 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 apply it to that. Just set that off as a different category. A lot of what we're talking about is un-American. Mm-hmm. it's just it's just unAmerican. in matthew twenty three, this is something I've been wrestling with lately. Uh, Jesus said matthew twenty three verse eight, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And other times, Jesus said to his disciples, You are to be servants of all, and you're to be slaves. Of all, and this is this is it's roughing me up right now. I've mm-hmm. been I've been reading those passages, working through those passages, using them as a, as a starting point to think about leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been roughing me up that that the call of Jesus to those who lead is radical servitude to see yourself as a slave mm-hmm. of others. That it's not it's not like some nice, fun, tweetable statement. We descend into leadership. We don't ascend into leadership in in the church. And so when we're talking about saying no to our rights and saying no to to our freedoms so that we can serve others, this is what Jesus did for us. Mm -hmm. And when we are in a community of people who are doing this together, we're never isolated and alone and everybody else is celebrating and we're suffering. We're all celebrating and being loved and serving one another. That's what the church family is supposed to look like. Mm. And in a world that is divided by um, hostile tribalism, the church can be good medicine, Mm. good medicine to a thirsty and hurting culture who needs to see what it's like where people come together in humility and mutual submission and servitude and delighting in serving the best interest of each other.
0: So in order for something to be good mm-hmm. medicine, it has to be treating the the correct thing or the, sure. the reality of what's going on. So yeah. that leads into point number three about engaging people where they are.
1: Yeah, where are they? Yeah. So Paul literally went to where people were, and then he engaged them where they were ideologically and the- theologically.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I want to do that too. Where are people at? Well, that's where I want to be. And how are people thinking about something? Well, I'm going to meet them where they're thinking. I'm not going to demand that they come to my side of the street. I'm going to go to their side of the street, literally and metaphorically.
0: So, And this might blend in a little bit with point number four, which was Mm -hmm. take time to understand what they believe and why. Um, Can you talk a little bit about there's sometimes this tension between we want to not be of this world, and Mm -hmm. yet we are called to engage the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I I appreciated how Mm -hmm. you brought out that there's this tendency, like all churches have to decide, are we going to retreat from culture? Mm -hmm. Are we going to try to conquer culture? Mm -hmm. Or are we going to engage with culture? And that's That's clearly what you were driving towards, Mm -hmm. is that we should be engaging culture Mm -hmm. in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Um, And and part of that is just acknowledging where are Mm -hmm. people right now? What are their needs? What are... Where, where how are they thinking? Yeah. Uh, why are they thinking the way that they are? And then how does the gospel bring light to all of that?
1: Yeah. So I want us to engage people as though we're their friends. They may not want to be our friends in return. They may want to be our enemies in return. They can do that, but we're going to engage them as friends. And I know that there, there are going to be some who, understandably, go to like extreme examples. Well, what about a company like Target, and they've got these shirts with these horrible examples and stuff? Well, um, if I was going to engage with someone to talk about that, I'm going to engage as a friend,
2: mm.
1: right? And how would, what are you concerned about? Are you only concerned about how this impacts you? Or are you concerned about how this impacts them as well?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's well, see once you once you start to see wait a second the things in this world that are that are broken, they're not just coming to get me. they hurt all kinds of people. Well, what is it that you care about for that person? What do you want for them? Well if you're a friend, if you're someone who loves them, you care about them, you're going to engage them about that. Particular thing. Mm -hmm. And so when I've talked with, when I've sat down and and talked with people and they're going down a path of life that I can't endorse as a, as a, as someone who happily submits to the authority of scripture, following Jesus Christ, wanting to honor him and wanting to live inside of the flourishing that comes within the boundaries of his good commands. And someone else is living opposite of that. And it could be anything. Someone is living in a different way. I love them, and I care about them, and I'm not trying to say, hey, you're a bad person because you're not doing this. Maybe they are a bad person, but I'm a bad person too.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. What I would say is, listen, I love you, and this path that you're walking, i know this is what you want. You want acceptance. You want fulfillment. You want significance. You want security. You want all those kind of good things. The path that you're walking in, I don't believe it's going to lead to that. And the reason that I don't believe to that it's gonna to lead to that is because of, you know, this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And I know you maybe you don't trust me in that, but I love you. And I just want you to know. I just want you to know at, at any point, any point you ever want to talk about this again, we can we can talk about it. I'm rooting for you. I want the best for you. Mm-hmm. I just don't think this path is going is gonna take you there. And I'm only sharing that with you because I love you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not against you, I'm for you. And friends know how to talk to each other about that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to say be a friend. Yeah. Engage people were there because you care about them, because you love them. And this is, is one of the reasons that whenever we have our a big missions and outreach emphasis, we call it love is the agenda because that is the agenda of followers of Jesus to love. There's it a, is an end into itself.
0: There's a big difference in the way that you're communicating that, that on one hand, the idea of like, I think you're wrong, mm-hmm. your lifestyle is bad mm-hmm. and you need to change this, yes. or you know, God is angry at you or disappointed in you for doing this. Yeah. That those are conversation enders right there. Yes. <laughs> but they if are. you're coming at it from I want what's best for you. Mm-hmm. I am not convinced yes. that the way that you're yes. living right now is what's best for you. I'm afraid mm-hmm. that this is going to lead to hurt, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and I want something good for mm-hmm. you, and I believe that this is going mm-hmm. to lead to a better end for you.
1: God is the judge I'm not. I'm, a, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador of the king, but I'm not the king. Mm-hmm. The king has every right to say, you're wrong, you're breaking my law. Pronounce judgment. Mm -hmm. I'm an ambassador. I don't have the right to do that. That is above my pay grade. (laughs) My job is to woo and invite uh, people to trust the king, uh, to represent the king, not to act like the king. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that I don't get those roles confused when I'm trying to share the good news of the gospel.
0: Well, that leads well into application point five out of six, which was to share the gospel honestly and clearly. Mm -hmm. So we're not uh, trying to sugarcoat anything or backpedal Mm -hmm. or soften or edit or anything like that. We still need to share the absolute truth.
1: Yeah, I'm going to invite people to repent. I'm going to say, would you trust in Jesus? Listen, everybody spends eternity somewhere. I want you to spend eternity with a God who loves you and made you in his image. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know the life that he gives right now, Um, the hurts that we experience in life, the consequences that we're experiencing from these kind of moral things that are going chaotic in our life, that's, you know, that's because we're not trusting his way. We're trusting in our way. I'm inviting you to trust in him. I'm gonna do all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we gotta tell the... Listen, good news, it's not good news without the bad news, right? Mm-hmm. There's bad news, is that uh, we all have a problem, you have a problem, you are your biggest problem, mm-hmm. and you can't solve it, mm-hmm. right? There's some offensiveness to the gospel, but there's far more joy and comfort than there is offensiveness, because we discover, oh, yeah, I wasn't created to be my own authority. I was created to be under authority, and that's where a life of thriving is found, and I want to honor Jesus. I want to love him.
0: So the the last point yeah. on here was don't flinch. Don't flinch. <laughs> I like that, but to, yeah. what, what did you mean by don't flinch? What I mean is
1: <laughs> there are times that people are going to react unkindly and hostily, maybe even um, maybe even aggressively and violently. Mm. Okay. All right. So continue to live like Jesus, model Jesus, and share the good news of Jesus, even in that situation. Mm. And um, you know What? almost none of us are in situations where we're going to face that kind of hostility. There are people, I know that there are people who are listening right now and their jobs this week, they got to face some things, and if they maintain their allegiance to Jesus, it's going to put them at odds with their uh, employer or a co-worker or something that's going on with a company or the organization that they, that they work for, and so there might be some real uh, price tags for maintaining uh, allegiance to Jesus. Uh, that's a real thing. Uh, but most of us are not facing something violent, mm-hmm. uh, something something scary. A lot of the times, what I face—and I'm just going to speak for me—other people might have more intense than I do. What I face is inconvenience and um, things that hurt my feelings, or things that require me to be more patient than I want to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, those are the kinds of things that I have to face, things that hurt my feelings, things that are inconvenient, things that make me be more patient than I want to be. And I use those excuse, as excuses all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> to stop being like Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just trying to use them as excuses some of the time. <laughs> 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 that would be growth. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Here, here's something else I want to say, too. Remember, remember what we talking about. This is what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Authority, identity, activity. Mm-hmm. You know, authority is I find joy in submitting uh, to Jesus and what his word says. And we're asking the question, who's in charge? Identity is I find joy in defining myself by what Jesus did, not what I do. And we're asking ourselves the question, what's the story I'm telling myself about myself? Every person you know is telling themselves a story about themselves. Mm-hmm. And when you when you lock in on that, like when you really understand that, use that because that will be a front door to talk to people. Mm-hmm. I was talking to some some friends this week, and uh, some things happened um, on the on the parenting front, and I just said, "All right, as mom and dad, what kind of story are you telling yourself about yourself mm-hmm. right now?" Mm-hmm. And so, for people who are part of our church and they're they're used to that lingo, we can use that, and it's a way to quickly realign ourselves with the gospel, Mm -hmm. you know. But if I'm talking to somebody who's not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to change that up a little bit, and I'm going to say, you know, that's totally normal to have. I don't know what you're feeling, but I could totally understand why somebody would feel this way. I would probably feel this way, and I would probably kind of tell myself, I'm I'm not a good enough person. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a whatever how are you navigating that mm-hmm. and then I'm just trying to see can I will will they talk to me and if they will talk to me I'm gonna I'm just gonna keep saying things that's leading them to hear the good news of the gospel and sometimes I'm gonna ask ask a question is there any solution to this or do we are we stuck having to live with this for the rest of our
0: lives mm. You know, another thing that helps me not to flinch is yeah. remembering that Jesus promised that He's always with us. Yeah. You know, in the Great Commission passage where He He sent mm-hmm. us out to share the gospel, mm-hmm. there's that reminder: I'm with you. Mm-hmm. You know, to the end of the age, we have mm-hmm. His Spirit with us. And, Absolutely, uh,
1: we are not alone.
0: We're not We're not trying to speak on our own authority. We're yeah. We're under His, and, and and He gives us wisdom. He gives us insight. He gives us words to say in those moments.
1: Okay, this is gonna feel like an unnatural segue, so okay. <laughs> break, now a new thing, because <laughs> um, let me take the hit for you. Let Faya take the hit for you. Uh, let some of the things we do at Autumn Ridge take the hit for you and carry a heavy load if you feel like you just you're not sure how to do it yet. And here's a great way to do that. Say to the person who you wanna share with, hey, my church has been talking about this sort of thing. I'd love to know what you think. Mm-hmm. Would you come with me uh, I'd, I'd just love to know what your reaction is if we go to lunch afterwards, buy them lunch. Uh, <laughs> we can go to lunch afterwards and, and, and talk about this or if they're not willing to come, say, listen, hey there's, a, um, there's something that my church said about this. Pastor of my church said this and I'd really love to know what what your, what your thought is. Send them the message or say, hey, here's like seven minutes in the message. I'd just really love to get your, get your feedback mm-hmm. and just use that And we can partner we can partner together. We can partner together in this.
0: It's a great use of resources there. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Be a great friend. Be a great neighbor. Be a great coworker. Be a great all of those things because you love people. People share what they love with who they love. Mm -hmm. And because you love them, say, hey, I'd love for you to come. I'd love for you to come sit with me.
0: Well, we've gone a bit longer than uh, than we usually do here, but I'm really glad that we finally had the opportunity to to go long and mm-hmm. talk on a, a little bit more uh, detailed level about mm-hmm. what it looks like to share the gospel with other people. Uh, this message set it up well, and mm-hmm. and and I loved this last weekend's message for uh, what you did in not telling us what to think, but how to think, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah. I. I think the opportunity to apply that to what it looks like to share the gospel with others has been a a good thing to talk about and a a good way to kick off the summer. Maybe people have some more casual opportunities to share the gospel in the backyard that they might not have in the frozen tundra of the winter months, but but this is a a good season to be winsomely sharing the gospel with other people.
1: Absolutely.